Well, again, welcome. And I wanted to mention again, if, if you've been here for three weeks or 30 years, we want you to go through growth track. It is phenomenal. Talks about knowing God, finding freedom, finding your purpose and how to make a difference. Just four weeks. It'll be starting in two weeks uh, during this service right over there in the chapel. If you're not signed up, please get online, find Growth Track, get signed up. Well, today I want to talk to you again on the subject of faith. And I want to start with Hebrews chapter 12, which is where faith starts. It says, looking unto Jesus. That is where faith starts. The author and the finisher of our faith. So it begins with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. He's the one that initiates our faith. He's the one who's going to bring it to completion. It starts believing in him and it ends with him. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk, talking about Timothy. Now, that is, the, let me say this, this is the time when you want to get the Word of God into your children. Don't wait until they're teenagers. As soon as you possibly can, begin to sow the Word into your children. There's nothing like the written Word of God to show us the way of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the way of salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. Most people, even people that, that come to church, most people in their mind believe that somehow they're saved by works, that somehow they're going to get to see that they die and they stand before God and there's this big scale. And if your good works way more than your bad works, it tips the scale over here and you're going to slide into heaven. But if your bad works outweigh your good works, you're going to slide into hell. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Salvation, it's through faith in Jesus. Now, the, the Bible says this way in Romans 3. It says, no one has ever been made right with God. Some translations say by being a good person or by the works of the law. So not even Billy Graham or Mother Teresa gets right with God because of the good things they did. And how many know if Mother Teresa cannot make it that through works? You can't make it through works. You haven't even got a chance. No one, nobody through all of, all of history has been made right with God through doing good works. But yet, that's what we want. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, that's what he said. Listen, he said, what good thing must I do that I can have eternal life? We want to work it out. We want to do it ourselves. But Jesus is the beginning and the end of faith. It's not you start with Jesus and then you work your way in. No, it's Jesus from beginning all the way through to the end. In John 5, verse 39, Jesus said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me or speak of me. He's saying all the scriptures, what they testify, what they speak of is they speak of me. Now, what, what we think is there's just kind of this Old Testament stuff and New Testament stuff. And just the New Testament talks about Jesus, but all of it talks about him. In Luke 24, 
And he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I'm still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. Now, that's the first five books of the Bible, the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, concerning Jesus. So those first five books, all the prophets, the Psalms, they're talking about Jesus. And listen to this next verse. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You know, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot, you cannot really understand the scripture. You can only have it on an intellectual level. In fact, everybody just lift one hand up right now. And Father, we pray that you would open our understandings so we could understand the scripture, that we could know, Father, your will for us, that we could know what Christ has purchased for us, that we could know, Father, what is the exceeding greatness of your power at work in us and for us who believe in Jesus' name. Now, in Hebrews 10, it says, the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things. So the Old Testament has, it's, it's a shadow. Now, when you see a shadow, what does it mean? It means there's something real that has caused that shadow. Right? There is a reality. So it's saying the Old Testament has shadows, it has types, but the New Testament has the reality. Somebody said everything that's in the New revealed is in the old concealed. So Jesus said that Old Testament, it testifies, it speaks of him. Literally all the Bible is talking about Jesus. You know, the, the, the last book in the Bible is the book of Revelation. And people think it's a revelation about end times. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen there. But if you look at the title, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. In fact, the first book says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants. You know, it is really not so much about end times as it is about Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who's coming back to rule and to reign. That's what the book is about. So I just wanted to kind of point a few things out here and just kind of get you to realize this whole Bible is talking about Jesus. You know, right in Genesis chapter 3, after man and woman sin in the garden, God said, I'll put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he, the seed of the woman, Jesus, will bruise your head. When Satan thought he had obtained a great victory, the first thing God did was slapped him in the face and knocked him down and said, look, somebody's coming who's going to knock you down and they're going to take your authority. Jesus. When they sinned, the Bible says that God covered them with skins. I think that's, that's interesting. How many of you know you're supposed to wear clothes? All right, God covered them up. But it shows us that it is important that when sin takes place, that blood is shed and sin is covered. The results of sin are covered. When uh, Adam and Eve have children, Cain, and Abel, the first two. Cain killed Abel. How I many that's an indictment against the human race? We got two people, the first two people born, one kills the other one. And they have another child, and they name him Seth, appointed. 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 
For what? For to be ultimately a substitute, which is what Jesus is going to be for you and for me. Noah's Ark. Now, the Bible says that Noah's Ark was three stories, had one window and one door. Three stories, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One window, the Holy Spirit. How many know he's the one that lets in light? One door, Jesus said, I am the door. It's a picture of salvation. And by the way, how many of you know how Noah lit the ark? He didn't know. He had floodlights. Come on, I'm trying, I'm trying. Oh, okay, how about this? He's, he's putting it together. How did he fill in the cracks in the boards? Ark welder. Okay, this is not going, I, I, somehow in my mind, this was it's going over better. All right. <laughs> okay, so, so Abraham is the friend of God. And God says to Abraham, he said, take your son, Isaac. And take him to Mount Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. So they take the three-day journey. They get to Mount Moriah. They climb up. And uh, he makes an altar and he's going to sacrifice his son. Now, if, if uh, you go to Jerusalem today, we know where the spot is. It's on the Temple Mount. And the spot where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. How many of you have seen a picture of Jerusalem and you've seen that gold dome. The gold dome is right over the spot. And if you were to stand there and could make the eastern wall disappear, there's a little bitty valley called the Kidron Valley. And then right on the other side, you, can, you would be able to see, if you could just make that wall disappear, you would see a little hill called Golgotha or Calvary. Right there, it's not a half a mile away, is the place where Jesus is crucified. And, of course, he's ready to crucify his son, and God stops him. And I think it was interesting. On the way up, his son said, hey, we've got wood, we've got fire. Where's the sacrifice? And he said, the Lord, Abraham said, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. So God stops him and says, now I know that you love me. And now that you know that you put me above everything else. And uh, God showed him over in a thicket a ram, a substitute, and he sacrificed that ram. And then Abraham said something very interesting. He said, Jehovah Jireh. Now, some of you will remember like 25 years ago. I remember we used to sing that song, Jehovah Jireh. And we say, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. But that is not exactly what it means. In fact, any of you with a center column reference Bible, you can just look it up. We're sitting here. We're standing here. You're sitting, I'm standing. Okay. Uh, you just look it up. And this is what it means. This is what he actually said, Jehovah Jireh. It means in this mountain, it, the sacrifice, will be provided. And it's the same place, thousands of years later, where God has Jesus as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. In Egypt, Jesus is that Passover lamb, and they took his blood and put it on the door, and God said, wherever I see the blood, I won't let the destroying angel come in and do any harm. Many of the Old Testament characters are types of Jesus. Moses, Joseph. In fact, I've got a few of the comparisons between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph, both, both were loved by their fathers, envied and hated without cause. 
foretold that one day they would rule, sent by their father to seek their brother's welfare, rejected and condemned to die, stripped of their clothing. Both were sold for a handful of silver. Both became servants. Both resisted temptation. Both were falsely accused. Both were numbered with the transgressors. Both were ultimately promoted to honor and glory. Both were given a new name. And uh, both of them, their own people didn't recognize them. And ultimately, both, it was commanded that everybody was to bow as they came. You know, if you were to just take the first 10 generations from Adam and look at their name, you know, Adam's name simply means man. Seth means appointed. But then the next name, Enos, is mortal. The next, sorrow. In fact, if you put the first 10 together, this is what it says. Man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. All through the Bible, it is pointing to Jesus. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. So since we have the same, literally the identical spirit of faith, according to what's written, is what David said, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Now, notice it talks about a spirit of faith. It literally, that is the most precious possession that any person can ever have. It's a spirit of faith. Now, you, you can learn principles of faith. It can be taught. But the spirit of faith is more caught than it is taught. Now, when, when David is like 14 years old, he has the spirit of faith. He faces a giant. Moses is 80 years old. And with the same spirit of faith, he faces Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It has nothing to do with how old you are. In fact, David kills that giant in, uh, in a short period of time. The king is jealous and David has to flee for his life. And the Bible says that ultimately he ends up living in a cave. And it says in 2 Samuel 22, David therefore departed from there, escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his fathers heard of it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontent gathered to him. So he became the captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Now, listen, David did not get the cream of the crop. He got everybody who was discontent, everybody in debt, and everybody who was distressed. Now, how many of you realize that location does not change your attitude? They didn't just show up at David's house or David's cave and one day everything changed. But ultimately, those men became the greatest men in Israel. They became David's mighty men. It's interesting, Saul, who the Bible says was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel, 
never killed a single giant. In fact, nobody in his army even killed a giant. A young boy had to come with a pizza. It was was bread and cheese. Doesn't that sound like pizza? He had to come with pizza and hear the giant and go and fight him and kill him. Because nobody in Saul's army was willing. The Bible says everybody was afraid. But David showed up and he had a different spirit. He had a spirit of faith. And it's interesting that David produced giant killer after giant killer after giant killer after giant killer. Every time a giant showed up, one of David's men stood up and killed that giant. Because the spirit of faith is caught. It's caught. So David's mighty men. Uh, the, The Bible lists over 30 of them. But let me just read to you about one of them in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now, this guy comes to David. He's one of these guys who's distressed, in debt, and discontent. But he's been with David for a while. And it's talking about those mighty men. It says, after him was Shammah, the son of Aji the Harite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Now, for those of you who don't know, lentils, are, they're like beans, all right? They're a type of bean. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, stationed himself in the middle of the field. He defended it. And he killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, somebody may have looked at it and thought about, thought, well, you know, Shammah did all that. But you know what the Bible says? It says that the Lord brought about a great victory. You know, you might think that everything that you've done, you've done by yourself. But the truth is that God's anointed you, God's blessed you, God's used you. And if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be worth a happy meal and a bag of chips. It's God. It's God. Now, now notice it says everybody else fled. You know where Shammah picked that up? He picked that up from David. When Goliath stood, the Bible said everyone was afraid and turned and went back to their tent. But David heard the same giant and said, let me go down there and I will take him out. Shammah picked up that same spirit. Other people ran. Shammah puts himself in the middle of a bean field and he says, you cannot have my beans. I'm not giving the enemy not even so much is a bean patch. And that's the attitude that faith has. That's that spirit of faith. The spirit of faith says, you can't have my beans. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my health. You can't have my peace. You can't have my finances. You can't have my destiny. You can't have my grandkids. Say, you say, well, it's just a bunch of beans. Yeah, but if you let the devil have your beans, he's going to want your chicken enchiladas. He's going to want your burrito. He's going to want, he's going to want your horchata. He's going to want the whole tamale, I'm telling you. You cannot let the devil have any ground. You just need to stand in the bean patch. You say, no, devil. No, you won't. Not my marriage. Not my peace. Not my health. Not my kids. Not going to happen. In Jesus' name, we stand right here. That's the spirit of faith. That's the spirit of faith. Listen. (laughs) 
You need to stand up. Now listen, the spirit of faith's caught. It's caught. You, there's all kinds of people that know a lot of principles. They know principles of faith, but they don't have a spirit of faith. And that spirit of faith, it's got to be maintained. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But when we think about Jesus, the most impressive thing about Jesus was not how Jesus looked. In fact, in uh, Isaiah 53, it says there was no beauty about him or anything that we would see him, that we would be drawn to him. You know, nobody looked at Jesus and went, oh, look at his eyes. He has such beautiful eyes. Look at the compassion in his eyes. The Bible says that when we saw him, we were not drawn to him. Nobody looked at Jesus and went, oh, look at his wavy hair. Jesus has such beautiful hair. Well, they said, oh, look at his shoes. Look at them shoes. And Jesus got the nicest sandals in all of Galilee. Nobody said, Jesus' donkey. Oh, he's got the nicest donkey. Look at the chrome on his donkey. No, nobody. But listen, here's what they said. No man ever spoke like this man. It was Jesus' words that drew people to Jesus. Luke 4, they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. His word was with authority. You know, Jesus spoke to people, but he spoke to storms. He spoke to demons. He spoke to sickness and disease and trees and winds and waves. That spirit of faith really has two components. There's a believing component and there's a speaking component. David said, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Believing and speaking together open the door to the supernatural. You know, we sing a song that says, this is how I fight my battles. We fight our battles with prayer, but we fight our battles with words. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Job 23 says, you will also declare or decree a thing. It'll be established for you and so light will shine on your way. And when they cast you down, look, but the Bible's going to tell you what to do when you get cast down. And you say, in Romans 8, it says, what shall we then say to these things? When trouble shows up, you are supposed to say something. Job 23, and you say, exaltation will come. Then he, God, will save, deliver the humble person. Isaiah 57, God said, I create the fruit of the lips. Isaiah 59, my word that I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants from this time forth and forevermore. Hebrews 13, 8, therefore we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Revelation 12, 11, and they, that's us, overcome him. That's the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. All right. Like Jesus, it's got to be our words that impress, that make a difference. For several years now, uh, I've had an iPhone. How many got an iPhone or an Android or how many got a smartphone? Now, the, I, I, I learned I, I am not computer savvy at all. And, and, and I use my phone. I've got like six things that I do with my phone. And I feel pretty good about it. 
I'm, I'm texting, I'm doing, you know, I'm thinking I'm doing pretty good here, all right? Listen, they said that my phone has over 100,000 apps you can get from my phone. 100,000 apps. Listen, my phone will do more than I'm using it for. Probably yours will do more than you're using it for. But let me just tell you that salvation probably has a lot more in it than you're using it for, than you're receiving it for. Faith has endless applications, not just salvation and forgiveness and deliverance and peace and joy and righteousness and sanctification and healing and provision and safety, but there are literally endless applications of salvation when your faith is in what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says that the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. For 40 years, I, I ran between 40 and 70 miles every week for over 40 years. Uh, you say, what are you doing now? I'm not doing that. <laughs> you say, why are you not doing that? Um, the outward man is perishing. <laughs> okay. But notice the inward man is renewed day by day. Although my outward man is perishing, honestly, I'm stronger on the inside than I have ever been in my entire life. Right? The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed. He's renewed. Now, listen, the, the renewing or the energizing of the inner man is not automatic. Listen to me. Listen. God is the only self-energizing spirit in the universe. He's the only one. Now, the rest of us, we need something every day. Now, now uh, Jeannie, Jeannie and I have a, a little farm, a little south of Cadillac, and we're just a little over two miles from the White Pine Trail. So every morning when we're up there, I get on my little mountain bike, and I head over to the trail, and I do 26 miles down the trail and, and come back. Now, that's not 26 each way. That's 26 in all. Now, because it's dark in the morning, when I get out there, I've got a headlight and I've got a little red light behind. It's going bing, 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 you know, wherever you go. Uh, so, so, you know, somebody who's texting will see me when they're on the road. Now, if I do not recharge them, the next day I can't see far. In fact, this week I got up extra early one morning. I was on the road at about 530 and I get down there on the trail and I'm going down the trail. And, and I noticed because, my, because I plugged in the night before, my light was really strong. And I noticed in the trail, I hit the brakes and I, I come within just a couple. There are two porcupines in the trail and they will not get out of the way. And what kept me from being taken out by porcupines was the fact that my light was fully energized. So every day when I get back, I take off the lights, I bring them in, plug them back in, and they get re-energized. Now, that's literally what you and I need to do daily, is we need to re-energize the inner man. How I many you know God gave them fresh manna every day? Every day. You say, I'm just going to get energized for the month. It doesn't work that way. It's kind of like at midnight, all your energizing is gone. And you got to re-plug in the next day. 
And literally, it is important that we focus daily on the inner man. There can be no vacation from your spiritual life. Now, that spirit of faith, it's an attitude of victory. It's an attitude of we're going to overcome. We're going to make it. We're coming through. We're going to be victorious. And your talk and your walk need to express that spirit of faith. How many here have ever been coyote hunting? Great sport, I can tell. <laughs> four people. We have four of us have been coyote hunting. Now, let me... Coyotes, are, they, they are like the master predators. And they can survive anywhere. They, they say in Michigan, there are coyotes in every county. And I've seen coyotes here on our church property. But to go coyote hunting, because they are so shrewd, first of all, you get totally camoed out because they, they've got super eyesight. And you get downwind from where you believe the coyotes are. And then you get this out. You say, what's that? That is a hurt rabbit. When that coyote hears that, he goes, lunch. And I'm not kidding. Here they come. Whoa, they are coming. They are coming. They're like, lunch, lunch. <laughs> All right. So you attract that coyote. That's how you do it. But let me just tell you something. In the spirit realm, there is a spiritual coyote called a demon. And uh, sometimes yeah, yeah, they, they don't go after wounded rabbits. They go after something like this. <coughs> Nothing ever works out for me. I'm just never going to have any success in my life. <coughs> my marriage is never going to work out. I sure married a jerk. I married the wrong person. <coughs> I'm never going to get free from this addiction. I've had it for 20 years and my brother has it and it's in our family. Ah. <coughs> <coughs> I'm in so much financial trouble. I'm never going to get this thing straight. My goodness, all the men in my family have cancer in their 50s. I'm sure I'm going to get cancer. Oh, here they come. Here they come. How many think this is pretty loud? Okay. Yeah, you may be with, well, I just, I just don't hear much. Nothing's working for me. Everybody's going to be against me. I may as well just kill myself. Nobody's going to miss me. You may be whispering, but listen, in the spirit realm, you may as well have a microphone. They're listening to you 20 miles away. All right. The spirit of faith, a spirit of faith has a totally different attitude. A spirit of faith says, Maybe nobody before me got healed in my family, but I'm going to get healed in Jesus' name. This thing may have been on my life for 20 years, but it's done because today is the day of salvation. I'm not only saved and forgiven, I'm delivered and I'm walking free. The spirit of faith has a totally different attitude. And that spirit needs to be in two places. David said, I believed, therefore I spoke. Romans chapter 10. But what does faith say? It says the word is near you. The word what? The word of victory, 
the word of provision, the word of peace, the word of healing, the word of forgiveness, the word of salvation, it's near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Even the word of faith which we preach. It needs to be not just in our heart, but in our mouth. Speaking and believing God's word opens the door to the supernatural. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Now, if you're here today and you're not right with God, you might be away from God. You once lived for him, but you have drifted away. And you say, but I've, I've been in church. Yeah, but you know you're not right in your heart. You know you're away from God. Maybe nobody around you knows, but you know. And you say today, I want to get right with God. I want you to listen. The Bible says in Psalms 99, he was to them the God who forgave. And he wants to be to you the God who forgives. But you need to receive the forgiveness that he offers you. So you might think, I've done so much, I've gone so far, it's been too long. But those are all lies that the devil tells. Because there's no life so dark, no sin too shocking, no sex so perverted, no relationship so appalling, no pit so deep, that the blood of Jesus and the compassion that God has for you will not reach down and pull you out and forgive you and make you whole. And if you're here today and you say, I want to pray and receive forgiveness and surrender my life to Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment when I say three. We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place. As you lift your hand, the first thing that you're saying is this. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner and need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. One. As you lift that hand, you're saying, God, today I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I am surrendering today. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today I'm going to receive Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. Forgive me. Make me a new person on the inside, a part of your kingdom, on my way to heaven. Three. Just lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. I'm not right. But I want to get right. Thank you. I see that hand and 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 another and another and another. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. I'm not right. All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, would you look right at me, please? Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is? and make your way right down here. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to meet you right here. We're going to pray. Grab your purse. Grab the person that you came with, whatever you need. But if you lifted your hand, please make your way right down here. We're going to pray. God is going to meet us right here. And we're going to pray. And when we say amen in a moment, your past will be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. If you're in the balcony, please make your way down. We're going to wait for you. But God is going to meet us right here, right now. Today, your life is going to change for all of eternity. The most important decision you're ever going to make. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Romans 10. 
verse 13, it says, whosoever. That means it's going to work for every single one of you. But here's what it says we need to do, that whosoever needs to call on the name of the Lord. Right? And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to call on his name the way that the Bible shows us. And this is God's promise to you. Will be saved. So when we say amen in two minutes, you're going to be saved. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. Spirit of God is going to come inside. He's going to make you new. He's going to give you new desires that you've never had before to do things that you never thought you'd want to do. All right. So everybody, please take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray together. Just say, oh God, I come in Jesus' name. I believe that he died on the cross, that his blood paid for my sins, and that he rose again. I surrender to him today. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that you make me a new person, a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome.